Welcome to the DermVet Podcast. I'm Dr. Ashley Bourgeois, a board-certified veterinary dermatologist practicing in Portland, Oregon with animal dermatology clinics. I'm also a mom of two, just trying to find the balance like everyone else. Let's learn to ditch the itch, cytology, everything, and make derm more fun than frustrating. How often should you recommend ear flushing? As anything with dermatology, it always depends. But I often get asked the frequency of flushing or what what are some maintenance things that I can suggest to owners that can lessen the chance of infections occurring in some of my allergic cases if we just focus on allergies. So let's talk about a couple tips as far as successful management of otitis at home as far as maintenance with the owner's flushing. So of course we have to make sure these owners know how to flush. You'll be absolutely surprised and shocked to know or hear about what owners consider as ear flushing without appropriately being trained. I've had owners just wet a cotton ball and wipe the outside of the ear canal. Um, I've had owners just kind of put a little bit of fluid in there, like an eardrop, like they'll take an ear flush and just put a couple drops in there and that's it. So you really want to illustrate to owners filling up that ear canal. I say, fill it up like a cup, you know, three quarters all the way full. And then I have them grab that ear canal in the exam room. Um, if they're willing to, they'll grab the ear canal. I'll kind of palpate it as long as the pet's not uncomfortable with it. And I have them feel it because a lot of them do not understand that there is cartilage that we're actually trying to break up that debris by utilizing our flush. The flush and what we select, we have plenty of podcast episodes about that in the past. What we select in a flush is always important, but let's just assume we're doing a ceruminolytic. The ceruminolytic is great and helps to break down the earwax, but part of the pro- the part of the process of flushing out the ears is that massaging. So massaging that ear canal with the appropriate product, like a ceruminolytic, allows us to break up that earwax. We know that ceruminous glands in ears, they can kind of overproduce earwax when we have a pet that says, say has atopic dermatitis. So we're using appropriate products to be soothing to that ear to help break up that debris. But part of that process is successfully massaging that ear canal. So I usually have owners grab onto the ear canal. We have ear canal models in the room so they can see the L-shaped portion of the ear canal. They can understand that it's not just a straight piece of cartilage going through and actually massaging that allows us to break up that debris, but that we do need to really grab on, massage deeper portions of the canal, let that patient shake their head and then wipe the outside of the canal, describing that there are drying agents to most of these products. And so that's going to make it so we don't necessarily need to go in with a Q-tip or anything to that nature. So before we start messing around with the frequency of an ear flush, we have to make sure that these clients are actually capable of doing an appropriate ear flush. Sometimes we do the first few in the clinic. If the owners feel uncomfortable, we can educate them on more in depth. But then also, you know, if they're really painful or uncomfortable, we may start out doing some ear flushes at first, getting that under control. But I really like to try to educate owners on being able to do this long term because that becomes extremely important in the longevity of us minimizing how many chronic episodes of otitis that particular patient has. Now, coming down to frequency, obviously the frequency of ear flushing can vary a ton. It depends on what we're treating, right? If we have a pseudomonas otitis case, we may be flushing that ear canal daily, every other day to start to break up that biofilm. We may be using multiple products in that case, depending on what we're treating. 
And so we're going to be doing it more often. Of course, we really have to take into consideration how comfortable that pet is. Is it an ulcerative, painful ear? Maybe I don't flush that ear at all for five to seven days and just put them on some steroids to open up the ear canal and provide relief before I have the owner do it at home. Because anything we're setting that owner up to do, like flushing the ear at home, that pet is going to learn to be head shy, resistant to that ear flush, that process, if they know every time it happens, they're painful and screaming. And so I will make sure that they're going to be accepting of the ear canal massaging and flush first. And then we will in those really bad cases. I sometimes will start out, you know, every other day, daily breaking down that biofilm, timing out when we give the actual medication in the canal, but wanting to make sure I've removed that slimy debris, that slimy layer, like we recently talked about in a pseudomonas otitis um, episode with Dr. White. We want to make sure that medication penetrates the actual epithelium. And we know the bacteria can learn to live in that slime layer. They can communicate and become resistant with one another. So we're breaking that slime layer, that debris up in a pseudomonas otitis case, but we're also just removing that debris. So our medication can actually penetrate the epithelium and work. So we talked about before too, there are certain antibiotics that deactivate imperialin debris. So I want to flush that case more often because they're more active. I'm trying to get rid of that biofilm. So when you're deciding how frequent we're going to flush, make sure you kind of understand why are we flushing in the first place? So in a pseudomonas case, it's really active. I may calm them down with a steroid at first, then implement flushing. Like I said, very often so that I can use that topical medication more effectively. Now, as we move along and we see cases that are improving or say we have like a moderate yeast otitis case, it's kind of dry, flaky. I need to remove the debris in there, but I don't necessarily have something like a crazy slime layer in there. You know, I may start that case out if I'm going to also treat them with a topical medication um, for the actual yeast infection, maybe once a week, twice a week, kind of depending on how much we're going to be using the topical medication, how much debris is actually deeper in that ear canal. I do have some cases of infection. If it's just kind of a mild to moderate yeast or cocci bacteria under the microscope, I may just treat them with a flush. I don't always put them on a topical medication if they're not really uncomfortable, swollen, depending on how symptomatic that patient is. And if I need other things like potent topical steroids in my products. So then I may flush them a bit more often at first because that's basically acting like my therapy as well as removing the debris that's in the ear. When we get to the maintenance portion of flushing, you know, obviously this can vary. Every pet, every dog is an individual. I'd say it's pretty common for me to have weekly flushing on my patients that tend to break out with otitis. We'll usually use something more antiseptic and then try to get them to a seruminolytic. Though I certainly have chronic cases of otitis, infective otitis, that we do have to keep them on more chronic antiseptic properties like anti-yeast therapies or antibiotics within the medication itself or chlorhexidine. But I really like to try to switch them to a seruminolytic if I'm able to for that long-term maintenance. If I find out that weekly is not working, then we'll just increase it to twice a week. There's not really a magical way I implement it. Again, I have some cases that do just fine and every other week flushing that the owner can increase if needed. I have some that do need it more often. If I have a case and I'm not exactly sure, there's a couple different ways I'll time out when I see that ear case to decide if I can either go further apart in my frequency or if I need to do it more often. 
So if I have an owner where I'm just not sure they're flushing well at home, I don't know if the flushing they're doing at home is effective and going to really help that particular patient, then I may decide to actually have that owner flush the morning of our appointment. You know, if I'm not trying to get a cytology or anything like that, I may try to flush the morning of that appointment. So when they come in, I'm looking at how good of a job they're doing. Are they getting the horizontal canal? Are they getting the vertical canal? Do I feel like what we're doing at home is being effective? Now on the flip side, if I have an owner that let's say we've been doing really well, they've been doing weekly ear flushes, but you know, it's a lot to do and they'd really like to see if they can spread it out. Then I time my otoscopic examination right before I'd expect them to flush again. So if we have a dog who we're flushing the ears weekly, owners really want to pull back to every other week, then I can have them, you know, flush, not do it for two weeks. And then when I'd expect them to be flushing that day, have them come in that morning. And that just allows me to evaluate what did that ear canal do within that time frame? You know, did it, does it actually still look pretty good? And I think every other week's going to be just fine. Did it fill up more than I feel comfortable with? And I feel like this change could actually lead us to an active infection. Then we can kind of make that judgment call. The last thing I want to talk about as far as frequency is don't be afraid to change. So you may find out that if you have a pet, you're controlling well with their allergies, but they always get an episode of otitis in the spring. You may be fine doing every other week flushing as a maintenance the rest of the year, but maybe spring we need to do once or twice a week. They also really give owners the freedom, especially if they're on something like a ceruminolytic to flush more often if they notice a flare coming. A lot of these active infections or flares, if we increase the topicals, we can prevent them from becoming as bad of infections or infections at all. That's something similar to what we see with the skin. If we see a pyoderma coming, getting owners using medicated products more readily, and it's the same exact thing that we can see with the ears. So if they're just starting to head shake and we're not red and inflamed and really scratching yet, but we can just kind of tell that they're head shaking and maybe starting to be on the brink of a flare coming, have the owners do, you know, a couple days in a row to see if that clears it up. Cause just removing that debris in that ear, we're hoping to take away that nidus of infection and they can continue to fluctuate the frequency of when, how often they're flushing, depending on that pet. And as we get involved with that allergic pet longer and longer, we'll often pick up patterns like, Hey, we always have to prescribe Movetamax in the spring. Why don't we increase the flushing as soon as you start to notice any symptoms coming and see if we can get ahead of this. This is also where you can really think about implementing other topicals like Synodic. Um, there's a new one by Verbach called Cordotic, I think. And that, those are just topical steroid products that allow us to control the inflammation in the ear canal itself without having to put them on antimicrobials. We like being able to control the inflammation on the forefront rather than having to throw them on an antimicrobial or an anti-yeast if they don't need it. So we're seeing more and more ways that we can utilize topical products like the flushing and the topical steroids and see if we can get ahead of the point where we don't have to put them on antibiotics or have them really progress. So frequency of flushing, just like anything else in dermatology is not straightforward. There's a lot of gray areas where we can fluctuate as you get more experience and really understand why am I doing this? What am I treating? What am I trying to accomplish here? What can the owner do? Are they effectively doing it? That's when you can really start to get a, a better comfort level of how to make the changes to these cases. And sometimes you're wrong. You know, sometimes you make a, chase, a change like let's flush less often and it doesn't go well. But being comfortable with making those changes, educating your owners so they're on board will really help in the long-term management and your comfort level with managing these otitis cases. <laughs>